Welcome to CTO Confessions with TC Gill. Brought to you by IT Labs. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. This episode of CTO Confessions is brought to you by the one and only IT Labs, providing technology leaders with purpose-driven development teams for high-performance, innovation and productivity. What more could you want? Please think of us like tech leaders' favourite off-the-shelf service, providing quality, high-performing teams off that shelf. And your host today is me, TC Gill, IT Labs Chief Talking Officer, and I'm speaking from London, UK. So, Michelle, welcome to CTO Confessions. It's great to have you on board. Thank you, TC. Thanks for inviting me. So tell the audience a little bit about yourself. Who are you? What do you do? And who do you work for? Sure. Currently, I'm the CTO of Ithaca, a mission-driven nonprofit education tech company uh, focused on higher ed. Before Ithaca, I was the VP of engineering in Bloomberg Industry Group. I was responsible for uh, developing multiple customer-facing product lines in tax, government contract, uh, government affair area. Excellent. That sounds like an interesting role. And I've I've checked you out on LinkedIn and you've had quite an interesting journey. It sounds like you've been working for a lot of different companies. So just briefly, what, what has your journey been like to tech leadership? Yeah, thank you. In my career, I have worked in multiple industries such as telecommunication, internet, healthcare, geospatial satellite imaging, financial, and education industries. Uh, No matter where I go, I use my technology skills to solve different business problems. My daughter used to ask me, she asked, mom, what does curing cancer has anything in common with satellite? Oh, wow. (laughs) I told her, you know, whether it's patient's CAT scan or a satellite image, deep inside down, they are all zeros and ones. It's all about data. It's all about how to use technology to solve problems in different industries. Yes, I love it. We forget how technology permeates everything. And shining a light on the company that you're working for at the moment, you kind of briefly mentioned it. What is the problem that Ithaca are solving in the market? Yeah, that's a great question. You know, the problems we're solving in the market is, you know, the higher education institutions are under immense pressure, particularly in the United States. Uh, we They must have find affordable ways to improve the quality and impact of teaching, learning, mm. and research. And to do this, they need to shift some services from uh, local activities from physical world to the virtual world and to build new ones that can be shared. Uh, so, they, so they need to find a ways to attract students, to help them to succeed. They also want to work uh, on these challenges and uh, invest in the services with the organization like Ithaca that can share their value and mission. So so what we do is is very closely related to my passion as well, so which is learning and education. You know, imagine a world where people of all ages and walks of life have access to similar knowledge resources and can gain new insights and skills where everyone who wants to get an education is able to access and complete their degrees. 
Basically, Ithaca provides services that help higher education institutions, libraries, publishers, and others involved in the education and research to pursue this purpose and to do it affordably. Wow. We have come a long way in two decades, but we have more to go. Mm. And what does the future look like? What's the things that you've got on your roadmap that, um, that your customers, your kind of client base potentially will get to see? Yeah, that's a very good question. So we have gone a long way to provide the contents affordable for our end users, for universities, um, for professors, researchers, and students. And mm-hmm. um, yet we can do more, for example, we can make that more personable, right? Mm-hmm. We can make them, the researchers, professors, students find the relevant contents more easily and to do more cross-reference between those related contents and to present the contents to them they need, but they didn't even know they consciously have to search for. Right. For example, you have done this, your search for these articles, for these areas. Do you know these are the articles that's also available you may not be aware of you need to search for? Yeah, I love that. It's kind of augmenting our learning, helping us along. And and I love this idea. I wish this had been invented when I was at university doing my electronics degree many years ago. And uh, yeah, it sounds fascinating. And I love the fact that you're helping people learn better because I think you, the, the amount of information out there now is just eye-watering. And it's quite, I wouldn't say scary, but it's overwhelming in many ways. So I guess we need that help. It's a part of our evolution to create systems that help us get there quicker and you you mentioned Michelle one of your passions you know your passion is around education and Mm -hmm. and this drives you in the work that you do yeah exactly so I started my career as a software engineer after getting master's degrees in system engineering in the early stage of my career I felt a, a little bit sense of loss you know I felt like I could do more but I don't know what I want and what I wanted uh, when I was young. But I did know is that I love learning and I enjoy learning. My PhD advisor, Jeff Offit, uh, who was not only my PhD advisor and also taught me many wisdoms about life and career. Mm. He used to tell me, he said, Michelle, you can be burdened by extra load of a lot of things, but you will never be burdened by extra load of knowledge. I still remember a lot of wise guidance he gave me until today, including this one. Yeah, so, but but anyway, I took his advice to heart and uh, while working full-time in the industry as an engineer, as a technology leader, I kept learning. You know, first finished my PhD degrees under Professor Offit in the software engineering information technology area. And then later on went to get an MBA from Georgetown University McDowell Business School a few years later to broaden my business knowledge. Because uh, as I grow up as a technology leader, I realized that just being technical is not enough. Become a successful technical leader, I need to understand a broader business views need to have more empathy towards my business partners in product, marketing, finance, HR areas. Yes. Really need to understand how things look from their perspective. So this guidance has been worked well 
for me so far. And this passion has been worked well for me so far. Beautiful. I love it. I can feel it and I can hear it in your voice. I particularly like the fact that you knew that as a technology leader, it wasn't just about tech. This is a theme that I've picked up on CTO Confessions, a lot of our tech leaders, that you know there is a full awareness of the technology, the people side of things, the business side of things. So it's a it's a real kind of quite a heady role within organizations. That's right. That's right. It's all about how do we use this technology to solve business problems, to solve challenges for our customers. What's the thing that keeps you up at night in terms of tech leading? Right now, what keeps me up at night, as well as exciting at the same time, is how this generative AI will shape our work and our life. And how do we use it to use it in such a way that we can help our customers? That means we need to utilize generative AI in our products and services so we can use that to help our uh, customers make their life easier. And at the same time, and uh, how do we use it in such a way that we can help ourselves, help our employees inside the company. Mm. We're exploring different type of tools so we can improve our productivities and mm. um, both from engineering's perspective as well as you know marketing or other areas as well. People listen to this in the future, we are going through a transition. AI is really kind of picking up, it's a hot topic. It's spoken about in many arenas. I'm having lots of conversations with people of possibilities. There's a lot of fear in the space as well, I have to confess, around the differences this is going to make. What's your opinion, Michelle, on the impact of AI as we kind of move into this new era? Do you feel quite optimistic about what it can offer or is there some healthy concern? Both. I'm very optimistic about this technology. I believe it can make our life easier we can accomplish our tasks much quicker and uh, will improve our productivities in many areas. Mm. We can use these technologies to enrich our customers' life, our end users' life, can make this available for them so they can do their work more effectively. But at the same time, we need to be cautious about in many uh, areas from privacy perspective, from intellectual property perspective. So there's a lot of policies are still, you know, need to catch up while this technology is growing so fast. Yeah, we need to, I, I would say we need to be both um, optimistic as well as be cautious about what we can use this technology uh, to help us. I love it. I think sometimes in tech, we can be just doing tech for tech's sake. Yeah. How do you make sure that you stay customer centric to the problem that actually the market wants? Yeah, that's a great question. So since we need to, that comes down back to the vision, right? Our vision, our uh, focus is provide customer value. Yeah. And we will try different product ideas to close that customer need gaps. Also, you know, use the technology, use the modern architecture to be able to make our delivery of our value quick and fast and often. In this way, we can try different ideas. Sometimes idea works. And so we need to do more of it. Sometimes it doesn't. And yeah. then we need to say, okay, we need to try something new. 
And so everything we do is to fulfill that ultimate goal, which is provide customer value. I even have working backward technology framework for my teams. So basically this, uh, this idea is borrowed from Amazon's working backward product development framework. So we use that into the technology area. So basically we always start with that customer centric views. And then from there, we work backward, uh, like provide customer value, fast, secure, uh, often with good quality, uh, cost-effective in a cost-effective way. And in order to do that, we need to have a whole bunch of strategies in the technology area. For example, in the process area, we need to follow DevSecOps process. In the technology areas, we use modern technology, mm-hmm. uh, microservices, even driven architecture and develop things in the cloud, all those different strategies. And then this goes back to more detail level, goes to our engineering, our technologists, day-to-day life, right? How do we solve this problem? Mm. How do we design this system? How do we implement this feature? All these things will, working backward, ultimately have to fit into that end goal. Does any decision we make, does this fit into that end goal of provide customer value? Does it make us provide a value faster? or more often, or more secure, or in a more cost-effective way, or with better quality. It's always can fold into customer-centric view. Brilliant, I love it. I've got a question here around getting the best out of your teams. Any tips that you've got about your style of leadership and your culture of your teams that get the best out of the collective, I don't know, uh, creativity of your people? Yeah, so there's, there's two aspects there, right? One is, Uh, work remotely. And another one is get the most uh, out of our people. So I'll start with the second one, right? And how do we motivate our people, motivate our teams to do great work and uh, to turn them into uh, customer-centric and set their uh, creativity Mm. uh, free? So in addition to, as we talked about, we need to say, here's a vision, right? Here's a vision. Here's where we're going. And here are our strategies to get there. Uh, So we set those high level goals and strategies. And and then we need to give our teams autonomy. And once we get them excited to say, now, you know, set your creativity free. And so give them autonomy to find out solutions to move us closer to our goal and mm. work towards that uh, vision. Once, you know, our team members, once they are uh, teams, once they are motivated, it's amazing. You can say it's amazing what they can do. It's mm. amazing the ideas they come up with, the creativities to achieve our goals and, you know, even better than I ever think they could be. So they yeah. always surprise me nicely. Nice. So I love Yes. Just set the guardrail and let them surprise us nicely. Yeah, I love that. I love this concept of nice surprises. It's creating the conditions for emergence, something to emerge from, you know, give them, give them the environment, give them the direction, give them the vision. And then now you fill in the gaps. And you mentioned around, you know, we mentioned around leading remotely. What's the challenges that you find about leading remotely or what are the benefits you see about leading remotely? Mm-hmm. Um, 
in before COVID, I have never worked remotely. It's always in uh, office. Uh, so after COVID, all of us have to adapt very quickly to learn to how we can work remotely, how we can collaborate uh, remotely. For some engineers, we even see their productivity increase uh, dramatically. Um, but at the same time, we need to uh, be careful about, you know, at the same time, we still miss uh, that drive-by, that interaction, that human interaction. So we have come up with a lot of ideas to say, okay, how do we maintain, keep people motivated, keep their creativity going, but at the same time, not burn out, right? Mm. So, so we will have like the virtual parties, we'll have the virtual happy hours for people to get together, we'll have virtual concerts, so people can still feel that connectivity with their teammates even though it's not as good as face-to-face in person, yes. but definitely alleviate the yes. uh, challenges. Sounds like you're making a real effort to, to overcome that challenge. And uh, as you say, some people really thrive off it. I know many people that love it. And uh, some people that maybe need that support to, to connect. It's their, their, their mechanism connecting is slightly more nuanced and what have you. I've got to hear a question around organizational growth. Now, being a veteran, a warrior uh, leader in the tech space, you've been working for many companies. What are the things that you think that companies need as foundations for growth in organizations? What's your, what's the important ingredients that you mean need to sprinkle into these organizations? Mm-hmm. That's a great question. You know, in order to grow, I think it's ultimately it will start with customer needs, right? It has to be there's a customer needs, there's a gap that we need to fulfill. We need to develop our uh, products or services or extend our current product or services to f- fulfill that gap. Yeah. And that's the starting point. Once that starting point, uh, how do we implement that? The, uh, the key of that is to have um, very strong teams to implement uh, those products to create those products and services yes and have great people follow great processes and using uh modern technology appropriate technologies and uh, uh, appropriate architectures uh, to implement those products and services i love it that's right and i guess on the process side of stuff you kind of mentioned here about giving people autonomous how do you find that balance between process which can be quite kind of strict and things happen in a particular step and also creating the autonomy. I'm curious as to how you come about that because I, I think there is a balance. Mm-hmm, definitely. Yeah, when I talked about process, I was more like uh, thinking about the DevSecOps process, right? Yes. Or a self-sufficient product teams that have poly-skilled engineers work with products uh, managers, work with designers, to accomplish what we need for the market mm. to add new products and services and to add new capabilities for our products, existing products and services. So these teams follow DevSecOps processes as yeah. well as have an agile mindset to while developing their uh, services. And at the same time, you mentioned about in addition to give team the autonomy, 
we also give team some guardrail, some guidance, yes. right? So it won't be all over the um, places. And different teams' capability, maturity levels are different. Some teams are more sophisticated. Some teams are younger. They're still in the learning phase. In those situations, how do we utilize the more sophisticated, more advanced teams' experiences for the teams who are still figuring out in a certain area? So setting up those guardrails, setting up those guidelines, so the teams don't have to reinvent the wheels every single time is also crucial. And this will save our teams a lot of times. Sometimes we call them golden path as, okay, this has been worked out already. There's a pattern for it. So we can just utilize that pattern, reuse the assets that has been developed already. So we don't have to start from zero. I like it. It reminds me of uh, back in the day when I was a software engineer, I mentioned that earlier on, and we used to have patterns for software, you know, and I love the idea of having business patterns or process patterns that, that have worked, they've been proven, and you can evolve from them, but they're a great kind of pick it off the shelf, let's run with this because this does the job, we know it works. Yeah, exactly. We can see the patterns from, you know, business perspective. We can see the pattern from process perspective and we can reuse the pattern from technology, architecture and even code perspective. We can utilize, reuse those patterns all over the place in different levels. That's good. I expect to see a book from you, Michelle, called Patterns, Business Patterns for Tech Leaders uh, <laughs> in the future. <laughs> Fantastic. So, here we go. As we come now to the closing arc of the podcast, unfortunately, I've got some nice warm questions to ask you. What advice would you give to aspiring tech leaders out there based on your journey? What's helped you along the journey that might help them maybe speed up the process? I think it's one thing is be bold, be adventurous, go outside of your comfort zone and be comfortable with uncomfortable. That's how we we have to venture outside of a comfort zone. That's instead of always staying in that comfort zone. And also as we being uh, adventurous, as we try different things, as we keep learning, sometimes we will be successful. Sometimes we will fail. Cut ourselves some slack and don't dwell on it. We'll learn from our, our failure, but don't dwell it on it for too long. Get up. Dust off the dirts and keep going, keep trying, keep Love learning. It. So even though something we're not good at it today, it's okay because we keep learning. We'll be good at it tomorrow. Brilliant. I love it. You're making me want to go out and get bold now, Michelle. <laughs> I love it. I love it. I love that idea. And I think this is a really good point for our tech leader audience and tech leaders out there is to be bold because that's, I think, this is where human beings thrive. This is what we're designed to be, is to be bold. And, and we come alive and we thrive in that. So brilliant shout out. Any books or other things that have been instrumental in your inspiration as a tech leader that you'd like to share here? Yes. One of my favorite book, which is also a classic, is How to Win Friends and Influence People from Dale Carnegie. Yeah, so I have read that multiple times. And every time I read it, I have new insights. I learn something new from different perspective. I just love that book. And another book, which is similar to that one, is called Multipliers 
how the best leaders make everyone smarter by these wise men and young、uh, leaders. And that one is, in my mind, we also have we all have the I call it、uh, physics limitation. No matter how hard we work, we only have twenty four hours a day. Yeah, seven days a week. In order to create that bigger impact, we have to be multipliers. Yeah. To a certain stage of our career, and、um, being a multipliers is more important. Being outstanding individual contributors ourselves. So how? What do we do? How do we make other people smarter? And that becomes the key. So those are my favorite books. Yeah, I've not read Multipliers. I'm going to get that one. That's going to add that to my list. But I definitely, definitely shout out your shout out for、uh, how to make friends and influence people because it is a book that I've read several times. In fact, I call it one of my gateway books. It really changed who I was and enabled me as a leader myself to be able to speak to people and, and create those relationships. So brilliant! That's excellent. Now. I'm gonna offer you a wish, Michelle. Okay, I'm gonna pretend to be a tech genie for a second. I'm gonna offer you a wish. What would you wish for for your leadership, for your industry, for your people? Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> well, I wish we could revolutionize the education industry, that dramatically improve the access and affordability to knowledge and education for people around the world at a lower cost. Yeah, we can work on that, and I think it's a great one to aspire to because I think education, wherever you look, it always has a positive impact on people, human beings, on the planet. So I absolutely. So being the tech genie myself right now, I'm going to make that wish come true. So we'll work on that one for you. Okay, that's great. Thank you. And and as we come to the full stop of the podcast, our time together, unfortunately, what's the final key takeaway that you'd like to leave our tech audience as a parting gift? I think it will come back to keep trying, be bold, be adventurous, and at the same time enjoy life. Life is short. Work hard and enjoy life. What a beautiful note to finish on! Thank you, Michelle. Thank you for your time. It's been great having you on CTO Confessions. Thank you, TC. It's a pleasure to be here. Thank you. And finally, remember to subscribe to CTO Confessions podcast and IT Labs newsletter, where you get regular tech articles and invites to the IT Labs webinar series. URLs for this can be found at the bottom of this page. We are consistently creating material to create, nurture, and support a community of tech leaders. And of course, if you want to know more about IT Labs services, including our Teams as a Service service, please don't hesitate to get in touch. As mentioned in the intro, please think of us like tech leaders' favorite off-the-shelf service, providing agility, high-performing teams off that shelf with a wide breadth of skill and knowledge. Well, that's all, folks. Look after each other and keep safe. Wishing you all a good day or evening, wherever you are in the world, from all of us here at IT Labs. Live long, live well, and prosper. Until we meet again on the next CTO Confessions podcast.